Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Verse 19. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and he snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and understand God's word and produced a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Matthew chapter 13. Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit perfectly together. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Would you stand with me this morning? We continue in our series on identity. Um, I've been loving this series. I love where God is taking us and the challenge that is put before us to make sure that our identity is in Christ alone. If, uh, if maybe this is your first time being here, one of the things I'd maybe encourage you to do is hop on YouTube. If you just search Glad Tidings Hartford City, you can find all the previous messages in the series. We have seen how the enemy likes to try to come in and make our identity be rooted in either thinking that we are God, we are maker of our own destiny, or that we are the mistakes that we've made. He wants you to either think you are maker or mistake, one or the other. But what God does is he steps in and he says, for all who are in Christ, you are my masterpiece, which I have created in Christ so that you can do the good things that I have planned for you long ago. That's what the Bible has to say about us. And so today, we're at the place in this series where we're looking at, okay, so if we are in Christ, how do we grow into this identity? How, what does it look like for us to go, okay, God, I want now that I know that my life's rooted in you. I want to grow in that so that I can do the things that you have called me to do. And we're going to really dive deep into that today. We're going to look at some of the things that try to stop our growth. But we're also going to look at what it does it take and what does it look like to put things that create the growth in our life. Jesus, he, he, from here in Matthew, he, he's challenging us that, the word of God is like a seed that comes into our life, and it has the potential to grow and produce a crop that is beyond understanding. But there's some other things that can play into it as well, things that want to come in and steal and quench and destroy the growth that could take place. So let's go to the Father and invite him to speak to us today. Father, we, we ask that your spirit would just be here and so present that you would speak to us mightily through your word, that you would challenge us, challenge our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would confront us. But Lord, we pray that we would leave here as different people, not just with a new direction, but Lord, with saying, I'm going to take action today to start growing into all that you've called me to be. So Lord, would your presence just rest in this room? Would you speak to each and every one of us? We give you thanks, we give you honor, we give you praise in your name. Amen. I, I want to start this morning... If we're going to talk about growing in our identity, then we need to also understand that there are some growth stoppers. 
right? If we're going to say we want to be everything that God has called us to be and we want to grow into what he has placed inside us, we need to understand that there are some things that are growth stoppers. You know, we've said that this whole series that at every moment in your life, both in the victories and in the defeats, in the good times and in the bad times, in the moments when everyone was giving you applause and everyone was just looking down upon you, that there was two voices that have always been present. There's the voice of the enemy and there's the voice of your father. At every stage, and they're making war over your life. And what I want you to realize is it's important for us to know this, is your enemy wants to stop your growth in regards to identity. He does not want you to know who you are in Christ. And not only that, he doesn't want you living into it because he doesn't want you doing the things that God has called you to do. You know, if we're truly God's masterpiece created in Christ to do the works that he has called and planned for us from long ago, then it would make sense that our enemy would have no desire for us to do that. Our problem is, is we've bought into the cheap comic book look idea of the enemy. We think he's like a guy running around in red spandex with a tail and a pitchfork going, <laughs> right? That's not the enemy. <laughs> I want you to think of like the most diabolical villain you've ever seen in a movie, and he's worse than that. He's brilliant. And in every step and part of your journey, what he has been longing to do is if you are in Christ, he does not want you becoming what Christ has called you to be. And what desire. So he wants to put in your life growth stoppers. We see that from the text here in Matthew chapter uh, 13. Whenever Jesus is talking and he's talking about this parable of the sower and he's saying this, this seed that is sown into the field, right? It's the same exact seed. But what it produces is based on the soil, right? It's not like the farmer took this seed, which was kind of good, and this seed, which was really good, and this seed, which was exceptional. It was the same seed, but its growth and what it could produce was based on the soil, which is our hearts and our lives. And so today I want us to start by thinking through some growth stoppers. Some of you remember when you were a kid, and I remember when I first started trying to get into coffee, you know, they would always say, you know, don't drink coffee, it'll stunt your growth. It's a lie from the pit of hell, okay? <laughs> no, I, the very first time I ever drank coffee, I was at a men's weekend up in a Pennsylvania mountain. It was late October, and like an idiot, I decided to sleep outside with no blanket. Yeah, I know. There was not wisdom. I was 18, so, I mean, come on. <laughs> I remember I woke up the next morning, and I was just shaking, freezing, and the only thing that was warm was coffee. And I drank like seven cups, and I've been a coffee drinker ever since. <laughs> so that's my coffee origin story. <laughs> but what I want us to, to start with today is thinking through some of these growth stoppers. And the first is this. We need to quit trying to be someone else. You and I, we need to quit trying to be someone else to live somebody else's story, to have somebody else's gifts or their blessings or their life or whatever. Listen, imagine if the Mona Lisa painting tried to be The Starry Night by Vincent Van Gogh. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Like Van Gogh's is a really beautiful painting, but it's a little psychedelic. It's out there, right? Imagine if someone just tried to paint over the Mona Lisa and then attempt to paint The Starry Night over it. You would have lost one of the most valuable pieces of artwork in all of history in trying to make it something else. And the same is true with your life. If we're going to be all that God has called us to be, we have to quit trying to be someone else and live someone else's story. Listen to me. Self-hate, comparison, coveting are all indictments against God. I'm going to say that again. Self-hate, comparison, and coveting are all indictments against God. It's us saying, God, if I had the reins, I would have done better. When you look in the mirror, if you're like, man, I just hate what I see, and I hate who I've become, and I hate whatever. Listen to me. Without, you, I, don't, I know that your heart, you're not thinking it, but what you're literally saying to God is, is this isn't good enough. You could have done better. And that's an accusation against him that resounds with the voice of the enemy. Because the voice of your father, he looks at you and goes, my son, my daughter, you're my masterpiece. 
You're my poem to this world. That word masterpiece in the Greek, it's poema. It's where we get the word poem from. God looks at you and he goes, I've placed my image in you. I've put gifts in you. I've created you. Everyone in this room is different. Some of you are loud. <laughs> Some of you are not. Right? Some of you are introverts. Some of you are extroverts. Some of you are funny. Some of you are not. Okay? <laughs> that's just, that, that's okay. Because listen to me. God created you with a unique identity to be you. Some of you, you get energy by being in a crowd. Some of you, it's just like, it sucks it out of you. I get energy by being in a crowd. One of my favorite days of the year is um, the day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. When it's, I, I, I don't even like to shop. I like to just go in the crowd and watch people. Like, I'm that guy that just wants to sit in Best Buy and just, like, look at people as they go by. Like, <laughs> like I'm just like, this is the best day of the year. I'm watching people be like animals. It's like. <laughs> but my point is this. Listen to me. Is you were created on purpose with a reason. And if you look inwardly and you're constantly, if you hear the narrative of your soul is not good enough or I wish I had, listen to me. You're not living into all that God's called you to be. Comparison, jealousy, and complaining are accusations against God for not being good enough. And how they happen, though, is when we are focused on false truths that make us long for fantasy over reality. When we focus on false truths that make us long for fantasy over reality. We live in the Facebook and Instagram generation where we see the highlight reel of everybody else's life. Right? You're scrolling through, you're looking at pictures, and you're like, oh, man, they're at the beach. I wish I was at the beach. Right? <laughs> their, their life is just so grand. Everything's going great. And all you're seeing is you're seeing the snapshots of, like, their best days ever. Okay? You know what you're not seeing? Last Thursday when they got food poisoning. Right? No one's like, hey, here I am next to the toilet. <laughs> Food poisoning, right, and posting that, you're not seeing the, re the total reality of their life. And what's happening is, is you're taking their best moments and you're weighing it against your ordinary day. And that's a problem. It will always create discontentment in your soul. It will always make you go, my life's not good enough. And their life, you don't know the struggles they're going through. You don't know the things that they're facing. You don't know what's happening to their family. But you're taking the highlight reel of their life and you're matching it up next to your ordinary. And you're going, it's just not good enough. Maybe it's not Instagram. Maybe it's the things they have, the gifts they have. What's happening in their life. And when we do that, we don't even realize that. I, I think of, um, I, I like to tell this story. Um, as a teenager, I went on a missions trip to El Salvador. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. I absolutely loved it. I'm a missions trip type guy. Throw me on a plane, send me there, put me in in whatever condition. I'll sleep on a dirt floor, nothing. I, I love it. I just love the ruggedness of it. My wife is not. <laughs> right? My wife's like, I want a hotel with a mattress. <laughs> right? And... I remember um, we came back from the trip and like, you know, it was like the sharing night at the youth group and we're all showing our pictures and there's like all these other girls that her friends, they're seeing the pictures and they're all like, oh, I wish I would have went on the trip. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't have. <laughs> they see the highlight reel. What they didn't see is that for 10 days straight, we slept on concrete. Not an air mattress underneath of us, like concrete, like lay down the sleeping bag, Sleep in there. The fact that we had to, every morning we'd wake up and we'd get into this shower that had a mud floor and that there was a pipe sticking out of the wall. For a country that was 95, 100 degrees almost all the time when we were there, like this water was coming out and it was freezing. It was a pipe. And if you wanted it to be a shower, they had taken a plastic bucket and drilled holes through it so you could put it over the pipe. <laughs> I'm not joking. And they had a cord hanging from the ceiling with a nail on it so that you could kill the cockroaches that were crawling around you. I am not kidding. I loved it. Like, I was in my element. I'm like, you know, I'm sitting there showering and there's cockroaches. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> like, my wife's like, Lord Jesus, just take me now. You know, <laughs> that's the difference between personalities. But listen to me. When we came home, there was like, all, again, all these girls, they're looking at the pictures and they're like sitting here going, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish. And they don't even know because all they saw was the highlight. Can I tell you, we do that all the time. One of the greatest growth stoppers is you have to quit trying to be someone else. 
you are where you are in the family you're in, at the job that you're in. God has uniquely created you and placed you for such a time as this. Don't you dare miss what he has in store for you by wishing you were someone else. It's one of the greatest lies of the enemy. You thinking you would be happy in somebody else's life. Can I tell you something? If you were dropped in their shoes, it might be the worst curse that was ever given to you. So growth stopper number one is our attempt to be someone else. Number two, it's soul striving versus soul rest. Soul striving versus soul rest. Got quiet in here. You know that spiritual exhaustion is a real thing? Have you ever noticed who you are when you're not rested? Spouses, look straight at me. I'm protecting you today. <laughs> Just look at the pastor. <laughs> Have you noticed who you are when you're a little bit tired, <laughs> right? Listen to me. It's so important. Because this is what I can, if we're not careful, we can take this whole series and we can bend it backwards where turns into this never-ending, I need to try, I need to do, I need to accomplish, I need to do good works, okay? And what happens is we place a burden and a weight on us that was never designed for us to carry. And exhaustion breeds anger, it breeds discouragement, and it breeds woundedness. When we are exhausted, a small wound feels like a million knives, and a small hit feels like a haymaker. Ever been there? <laughs> you ever been there where you blew up at someone who, like, you weren't even angry at, but, like, you were either so tired or you were angry at someone else that you took it out on them? I guess I'm the only one. Um, no, it's those moments where, like, like we're, not, we're exhausted. We're, we're physically or spiritually or mentally exhausted. And what should have not even been a paper cut, it feels like a machete wound, Right? See, what happens is this, is if we take this and we think we just have to like earn God's love and we have to strive and we have to, we have to work, 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 work and, and do all these different things to finally accept so that he can, like we can accept his love and his grace and his mercy towards us. Like we have to earn it. Listen to me. You're going to be spiritually exhausted. Rest is not found in your accomplishments. Rest is not found in your gifts, your accolades, your awards, your successes, or for you perfectionists, your to-do lists. It's not. Rest is not found there. We have to move from a place of rest, not towards a place of rest. Listen to this from the life of Jesus. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Do you realize that those words were spoken over Jesus by the Father before a single miracle, before a single sermon, before his ministry began? God the Father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus' ministry began from a place of knowing his love of the Father, not trying to earn the love of the Father. And there's a huge difference, isn't there, between the two. See, you are God's masterpiece created in Christ to do good works, but you do that from a place of knowing your love, your identity, and value, not from a place of I have to earn and deserve my identity and value. There's a huge difference. One's going to create spiritual exhaustion where you're going to hurt yourself and others, and one's going to create soul satisfaction. Jesus himself, he challenged us with this, and he says this. He goes on, Jesus says this. Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear. And the burden that I give you is light. We need to rest in what God has declared. He has said that if you are in Christ, you are his child, you are loved, you are redeemed, you are adopted, you are forgiven, you are delighted in, and he has declared you as holy. And if you don't know this, none of those have anything to do with you. 
Jesus adopted you. Jesus forgave you. Jesus imputed his righteousness upon you. Jesus delights in you. Jesus says, Father, when you look at them, see me because they're in me. Jesus did all of this on our behalf. So the first thing that we see, you know, is the growth stopper would obviously be trying to be someone else. The second one would be soul striving versus soul ref. The third would be, though, distraction. Distractions that keep you from the quiet. That quiet place of you alone with God. Distractions, I, I think back to, I, I don't know if you've ever had a chance to see like a really good professional like illusionist or a magician. They blow my mind. Like I turn into a little kid again and I'm like, oh, I want to see. <laughs> you know, the, I have a friend of mine who's incredible at it. And uh, he does this one where like he, he brings an audience member up. He pulls out a deck of cards and he says, pick a card, any card. They pick the card. He has them look at it, shows the entire audience. He rips a corner off of that card. It's like a three of diamonds, whatever it is you picked, and he eats the corner. First of all, that's just weird. But then after that, later, that exact corner, which matches up perfectly with the card, he cuts open an apple, and it's in the middle of the apple. Mind is blown. But you know what's really interesting is about most magicians is the way that they make their, their trick work is you are so focused on this hand when what's really happening is in this one. Your enemy is great at one of the ways of keeping you from growing, distraction. He will do everything he can to keep you from the presence of Jesus. Everything. Distractions that will keep you from the quiet. We see this from the story of the parable of the sower. It says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and they immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or they are persecuted for believing God's word. Listen, one of the ways he distracts you is he distracts you with pain from our broken world. Ever been in that season of pain? That season where it just seems like you're stuck in this moment and then suddenly all the lies and the distraction of the enemy, he's trying to keep you from prayer, trying to keep you from the presence of God. And it starts sounding something like this. If he really loved you, why would you have been through this? If he really loved you, then, then why would you be feeling, experiencing, having to go through what you're going through right now, right? What he's trying to do is he's trying to create doubt in your heart so you won't engage the truth. Because over here, the truth is, is your king is going, I'm with you even now. In the midst of this pain, in the midst of this brokenness, in the midst of what you're going through, I'm with you. But he wants to distract you from the quiet place so that you stay where it's loud and the voices of the enemy just ring in your ears. He wants to keep you from the quiet. Second way he does that is he distracts you with fleshly desires. Verse 22 said, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but they all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, so that no fruit is produced. Through fleshly desires. How many of you, we've been talking about this whole series. How many of you know that like following after every desire is not a good idea? Right? Come on. There's desires that you have in you that war with each other. You, you have competing desires all at the same time. Angel and I were at a movie just the other day. We took the kids to see, and we're all in the front row. We're watching this, and like the kids are really excited to see it. It was like a superhero pets movie. Um, wasn't that good. Just forewarning. <laughs> Kids liked it. If you're an adult, you're like, eh. <laughs> but anyways, we're there, and it's a packed theater. Like, not a single seat that is open. And, like, six rows behind us, there's a mom there with, like, three kids. And these kids are screaming at the top of their lungs. They are running back and forth between the aisles. I watched them, like, literally hit their own mom. They're going up and down like the whole stairs and just screaming and they're like banging on chairs, right? And like everyone in the audience, like it's this awkward moment. Like, what are you going to do? Like, mom, are you going to do something? She would take them out, bring them back in. Take them out, bring them back in. And they would keep doing the same thing. I'm screaming at the top of their lungs. They're throwing things like there's popcorn all over the floor. Nothing was ever even remotely done. You know why? Because the mom had allowed those kids to chase their own desire. 
when we decide, okay, desire is going to rule and I'm going to go after, how many of you know that if you go after every desire of your heart, there's some damage that's happening, right? We need to understand that this is what Jesus is challenging us with, is that one of the distractions that will keep us from the quiet is our fleshly desires. The third is this, the distraction of what's of primary importance. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message and don't understand it. And the evil one comes and he snatches away the seed that was planted in their heart. The enemy will not always just tempt you with bad or evil things, but oftentimes good is the enemy of best. Is there anyone in this room that actually likes doing the dishes? <laughs> By hand. Okay. Wow. I'm proud of you, Pam. That's like Chinese torture to me. It's like, <laughs> no, no I, I do it. I mean, you know, like pick your worst chore, the one that you absolutely despise, whatever that is. Have you noticed that sometimes even whenever you start to head to that quiet place of prayer with God, like the urgent, even what you might hate suddenly seems more important, right? You're like, oh, I'm going to go spend some alone time with God. And then you're like, wait a second, the dishes need done, <laughs> right? Like, Two minutes ago, you're like, I'd rather be beat than do the dishes. Now it's time to pray, and you're like, it's time to do the dishes. <laughs> right? Good is the enemy of best. The enemy likes to distract you with like, oh, this housework isn't done. This chore isn't done. This thing needs done. And they're not evil things, but what it's doing is it's keeping you from that place of time alone with God. All of those distractions have a singular goal, to distract you from the quiet place with God. Next is when we try to go it alone or with the wrong people. When we try to do this growing of our identity either alone or with the wrong people. Listen to me. The way that Paul describes the walk with God, he describes it like a great race, like a marathon, not a sprint. There's an African proverb and it says this. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. There's a beauty in there where we have to understand that we were called into community. There is a lure of going it alone where we can choose to live in comfort over being challenged or we can choose to live hidden lives rather than vulnerable. We're going to talk more about that in just a little bit. But what we're going to do now is we're going to shift from just growth stoppers to then now asking the question for our identity, how does growth happen? How does growth happen in the context of Identity. And now we'll start with this, and this one's really important. It, it's a few things. No, it's time. It's being in God's presence. It's doing it in community. And it's moving into action. So let's start with the first one. It's slowly grown, not microwaved. <laughs> it's slowly grown, not microwaved. We live in a microwave culture. I want it. I want it now. I'm mad when I'm in the fast food line, and the second I pull up, my order's not ready. <laughs> if you don't believe me, hop on Harvard City Happenings and see the comments. Um, shouldn't have went there. Anyways, <clears throat> we live in a microwave culture where, like, everything we want, we want it right now in this moment. Can I tell you that the best things in life are not microwaved, they're slowly grown. Right? Weight loss, growing a business, building relationships, life change, character development. You can't press that button and 30 seconds later. Like how, how many of you notice, like think about the fruit of the spirit. Notice it's called a fruit. Okay? So that means it has to be grown. I don't know anyone in this room that the second you were saved, like immediately afterwards, you're like, oh, I have self-control. <laughs> it has now grown upon me and I instantly have it. <laughs> Anybody? Any liars in the room want to stick your hand up? <laughs> Right? Anybody that the second at salvation, you're like, there's now this patience in me that is so astounding. I'm going to go hop on 465 during rush hour traffic. I just want to test it. <laughs> Anybody? It's slowly grown over time with the work of the Holy Spirit working inside us that he produces these things inside us. Right? We need to understand that. That if you're going to grow in your identity in Christ, it's not going to come like, boom, I'm going to start today and then tomorrow it's ready to go. 
This is something that's going to take some time. It's described as a fruit. The word in God is it's like a seed that is growing. I want you to change your thinking because it means that our heart and our identity, it needs constant tending, constant watering, and constant pulling weeds. Right? You ever try to grow something in the garden without ever pull, like pulling the weeds? There's a problem. This means days and weeks where maybe you're not going to see change, but it's happening. It's, how many of you know we are the worst at seeing the change in our life? So many other people are like, man, I've seen so much. And you're like, I haven't seen anything. We need that. We need, we need to understand that it's slowly growing. It's not microwaved, and we need time in his presence. We need time in the quiet with the Holy Spirit. This is not a quick five-minute prayer. This is time where we say, God, will you shape who you are into my life? It's in the space of the still and the quiet that the deep work is done. That the refining nature of sanctification takes place. To neglect this space and this time is to remove yourself from the power, the vision, and the strength for growth and the voice for change that comes from God. To remove yourself from time in his presence is to remove the power of refinement. We have to be in the presence of God. Listen, power stems from presence. How many of you know there's people in your life, you get in their presence and you feel revived? There's people in your life, you get in their presence and you feel drained. Right? Presence is important. It's what sets us apart it's his voice in his presence. I think of jo uh, Moses and Joshua. He said they would go to the, the tent of meeting and they would spend time with God and Moses would leave and Joshua would linger because he wanted that time in the presence of God. This is the problem though is that the weight and magnitude of life and time often makes us go, I just don't have time for that. But here's the truth. The weight and magnitude of your life and of your time it should never drown out presence. Rather, if you start feeling like I don't have time for it, that should be a marker, a beacon, a blinking red light. I need it now more than ever. It should drive us to the need for more of his presence. We need that. Time in his presence. Slowly grown in his presence in community. In the presence of committed Christ followers, you were made for community. A week ago, we talked about how like our identity is a little bit like baking a cake. There's certain elements in baking a cake that you would never want to taste on their own. For instance, if you were to stick out your hand and I were just to pour a bunch of baking soda in there, I don't think you're going to go, mm, that was delicious. <laughs> no, but when you mix it together, the master baker can create a beautiful cake out of it, right? But if you start pulling those ingredients out of it, that cake is not the same, is it? Imagine chocolate cake, but you remove the cocoa powder. We've got a problem. We call that trash. <laughs> right? I mean, honestly, seriously. Like, but that's the thing is that we need community. It, it, when you start pulling it and you start trying to pull some of these elements out of your identity, it's like trying to bake a cake with no fire. It's impossible. You can't do it. We need those different things in, in, in there in our lives. When we talk about community, the New Testament is full of one another statements. Love one another. Forgive one another. Bear each other's burdens. Support one another. Strengthen one each other. Spur each other on towards love and good works. These are all different things that are compelling in the New Testament, challenging us. There's Barnabas and Paul and Paul and Timothy where they're supporting and loving and, and, and being there for one another. It's vital. It's needed. I want to share with you two quick examples, though, about the power of community, how it's deadly if we get it wrong, but it's incredibly life-giving if we give it right. The first is with Michelle Carter and In Young Yu, and her last name is actually Yu, Y-O-U. Michelle Carter and In Young Yu. If you've watched the news over the last probably 10 years, you'd have heard these two names, okay? The first, uh, Michelle Carter, is a teenage girl who convinced her boyfriend, um, who is in high school, to commit suicide. She actually went to jail for it. 
Um, they were able to trace back the text messages, find that this relationship had become so toxic she was constantly just verbally abusing, harassing him, convincing him. And then on the day of, he was literally trying to talk himself out of it and she was talking him into it. It's, it's a different kind of evil, folks. But because of who he had in his life, he came to some poor things. The other is In Young Yu. In Young Yu's boyfriend. You, you know, when we hear stories like this, oftentimes we're like, oh, it's just someone young who doesn't really understand, who doesn't really know. No, no, no. Her, her boyfriend, on the day that he committed suicide, was graduating from Boston College. It was the day of his graduation. And they were able to string together the long series of texts and how she had verbally attacked him, verbally, and convinced and convinced and convinced him to basically end his life. They had the people in their life who should have been there to love them actually destroyed them. Listen to me. Community is vital, and both sides know it. Your God and your enemy. And the enemy will love to try to interwing people into your life who will hurt you, break you, and destroy you. Whereas God will try to do the exact opposite and try to bring people into your life who will support you and strengthen you. But the enemy will try to destroy you and cause so much pain, you won't lean into the other side. So you've got Michelle Carter and Nin Young Yu. But let me show you one more. I want to take a look at this picture. Have you seen this? This is American swimmer on the bottom. Anita Alvarez, professional, headed to the Olympics. She was rescued from the bottom of the pool by her coach at the FINA World Aquatic Championships in Budapest, Hungary, after she lost consciousness. Listen to this. Toward the end of her routine on Wednesday, Fuentes noticed that the swimmer's feet seemed to be more pale than normal, which caught her attention. And when she saw Alvarez going down instead of upward to breathe, she immediately dove in. I was already paying attention, and then I saw her going down, Fuentes said. I didn't even ask myself if I should go or not. I just thought, I am not going to wait. When asked whether she felt the lifeguards did not react quickly enough to the situation, Fuentes, which was her coach, said, the problem was easier for her to spot quickly because I know Anita very well and I know the sport well. They did their job. I did mine. Listen to me. I've watched the swimming many times. I've never noticed a change in color in the feet. Anybody else? Right? I've never spotted a swimmer and been like, hey, their feet's changing a little bit of color, and that could maybe be a problem. Her coach was so attuned that the way she knew that the person was struggling is she saw the feet change in color. That should blow your mind. She loved her so much that the second she saw, instead of just coming up for a normal, just started to go down a little bit, she didn't even wait. Listen, she beat the lifeguards, people. Can you imagine this moment? Pro, everyone's swimming, they're doing their type of thing. The lifeguards are watching out of nowhere. Lifeguards see just random swimmer dropping the pool. They're like, what is she doing? Oh, wait, she's saving someone's life. Saved her life because she had someone in her corner who knew her enough to go, I can notice even the little bit of change, and I'm not waiting for somebody else to act. That's my responsibility. Listen to me. Growth happens slowly over time. It happens in the presence of God and in the presence of God, the community. We need some coaches in our life. We need some people that aren't going to wait till the lifeguards react. They're going to hop in in the moment. Listen to this. Listen to what happens in the community. Read this with me from Ephesians chapter 4. Then we, notice how many times it says we here. Then we will no longer be immature children. We won't be tossed about and blown by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Oh, this is good. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Do you see that? As you lean into your identity in Christ, you yourself aren't just growing. You become a part of the whole that binds people together. 
That's the kind of church I want us to be. That's the kind of relationships I want for your life. That at the first moment your feet spiritually start looking pale, there's someone who's willing to go, I'm in the water. The first moment they're like, I'm going to be there right by your side. Listen to me. I want you to notice again all these we's. This is what it challenges. It says it stops maturity. It corrects false teaching, corrects false understanding. It identifies false influences that can lead us astray. It faithfully, carefully, and in love wounds. How many of you know that in love there's wounds? The wounds of a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. That's from Proverbs. It encourages us in our growth and in our identity. It speaks life and it calls out destiny. Do you have people in your life who are calling out what God has in you? Do you have people in your life who are looking at you and going, hey, I see this in you. I see God doing this in you. I believe in you, that they're, cha- they're rooting for you. They're like your biggest cheerleaders. It reveals forgiveness, love, power, and the gospel display in our midst. It grows us to be more like Christ, healthy through love. When you think about seeds, you can't not think about community. One plant, one fruit, it contains many seeds. And in it, it has the ability to see more and more continue to grow. This is a revelation of the kingdom. It's an illustration in regards to identity. As we allow our roots to be fully in Jesus. Listen to me. There is many who can be impacted from you. Or as the, or as the parable says, 30, 60, even 100 fold. So if we're going to do this, we need to understand it takes time. We need to be in the presence of God. You need to be in the context of community, but then we need to take action. We need to do something. Action, not intention, sets your direction. I'm going to say that again. Action, not intention, sets your direction. It's our action, it's that first step forward that ignites the process of change. John Maxwell says it like this. Five frogs sat on a log. Four decided to jump off. How many are left? Five. Because there's a big difference between decide and do. I've never met a single Christian my entire life that's ever like, I don't really want to change but I've met many who are unwilling to take that first step. I'll say that again. I've never met a single Christian ever in my life who was like, you know what, I really don't want to change and become more like Christ, but I have met countless that go, I'm just unwilling to take that first step. There is a difference between decision and longing and intention and going, first step. Guess what? You got to do the first step before there's motivation. Motivation is an outcome of action. It doesn't produce it. Right? I'm in the process of trying to lose weight. Can I tell you something? Whenever my alarm clock goes off at 6 a.m. in the morning and it's time to go to Planet Fitness, there's not a single cell in my whole body that's going, you know what, Josh, this is a great idea. (laughs) No, every part of my brain's going, hit snooze. That pillow's looking really nice. (laughs) Pull that blanket back up. No. If you're waiting for that moment where it feels like the right time, it feels like the right thing, can I tell you, it ain't coming. And for anything that's of significant in life, to get better in your relationship with your spouse, to get more healthy, whether it be physically, financially, spiritually, whatever it is, Every single one of those, that first action, if you are waiting for motivation and you're waiting for the feeling like the right time or, or feeling, listen, it's just not coming. I'm just telling you it's not. But if you will say, God, will you help me? Holy Spirit, will you infuse my body? Will you allow discipline to become a part of my life? And will I take that first step forward into what you're calling me to be? Guess what? After you start taking five steps and you start seeing how you've grown, And then you take 10 steps, and as you look back at who you used to be and who you are now, suddenly, guess what? Motivation kicks in. 
You know why? Because you took the first step. Some of you in this room, you're like, I've always wished I could be more of a praying person. Then pray. I always wish I could understand what God's word says. Well, you're not going to understand it if you don't read it. Right? I mean, come on. We got to read it. We got to get into it. If it doesn't make sense, awesome. Go find someone who knows a little bit more and be like, hey, I read this. It makes no sense. Help me. Guess what happened just then? Community. And we started to just help each other grow. It's going to take action. We have to step into it. We need to do something. Because God has something beautiful he wants to do through you. There's a lady who, um, she was a youth leader with me for a while. Uh, Her name is Amanda Strand. She's now at the Muncie North Campus. She helped launch it. And she posted this on Facebook. I thought it was pretty beautiful in regards to what we're talking about. She said this. It's taken more than 40 years to realize what my gifts are and how I can use them in ways to glorify God and speak life to others. My whole life, I felt like I've never been good at anything, mediocre at many things, yes, but not really good at anything in particular. God's been working on me the past few years, though, and he's been molding me more and more each day into the woman that he's created me to be. It's not always an easy process. But I'm learning more and more who he created me to be. And as a really cool bonus, he's using me, I'm sorry, he's using others to confirm these things to me. Just thought I would share because I know I have many younger friends who might not understand the why or the where you are in this life at this moment. But just seek God's direction and obey. He will be faithful to direct you into a plan that is perfect. She says, I'll soon be 42. And I'm just now feeling like I've started to get this figured out. Don't give up. Remember, pray and ask for directions as often as you think about it. The doors that open when you are obedient are amazing. She goes on to say, it's humbling to know how he can and does use me despite where I've been, what choices I've made, what circumstances I've had to navigate. I am just in awe of his goodness towards me. Do you hear that? Listen to me. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 40 years or four or four days or four hours or for four seconds. We need to grow in our identity in Christ. It's going to take time. You need to get in the presence of God and say, God, will you take this life and mold it and use it for your kingdom? You are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There are things that God has in store for you that he's called you and only you to do. And you will only ever be able to do it if you are so rooted in Jesus that you are not striving for his love. You are coming from a place of his love. That you know you are in Christ. That you're in the context of community. And you're bringing people in around you and you are allowing them to help you to grow. And that you are taking that first step and going, God, would you grow me? We need to be people who are growing in our identity in Christ. Right where you're at, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes, we're going to bring the lights down in this place. This is a moment between you and God. Holy Spirit, I pray that your presence would be so evident in this room right now in this moment. God, I pray that you'd be ministering far better and far beyond anything that I have or ever could say. Because you are are the master preacher. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would be in hearts and lives speaking in this moment challenging us and calling us to yourself. We sang earlier, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Lord, we welcome you in this moment. Lord, I know in this room right now, there are lives that for the longest time have accepted the label their enemy put on them. Sounds like mistake. It's a label of something that they've done. 
It's a label of something that someone has done to them. Maybe, Lord, it's a good thing. Maybe they've, they've placed their identity in their success or in their giftings rather than in you, Jesus. But that Holy Spirit, you have revealed in our heart our need for a Savior, our need for you. So, God, we pray right now, would you grab hold of our attention, grab hold of our hearts, and allow us to hear from heaven today. God, that you would move and do what only you can do. Right where you're at, if you're just, I just want you to spend this moment praying and reflecting. The first question I have for you is just simply this. Are there some growth stoppers in your life right now? Have you been spending a large majority of your time trying or wishing that you were somebody else? Maybe it's it sounds like self-hate or comparison or jealousy or coveting where you're, you're looking at somebody else's life or something that they have, a gift that they have or a blessing or, or whatever a job, a promotion, but you're looking at it going, man, I just wish that was me, and you're spending so much time focused on what somebody else has or what somebody else is doing that you're missing what God's wanting to do in you right now. Are you focused on false truth that's making you long for fantasy over reality? And if so, would you just take a moment and go before God and go, Lord, help me. Lord, I repent. You have created something good in me. And I am your masterpiece that bears your image. Will you take away this coveting and in its place put contentment that I would trust your hand? Or maybe today it's soul striving instead of soul rest. Are you spiritually exhausted? Are you trying to work for the love of God rather than working knowing you are loved? Are you distracted? Are you distracted from the pain of your past, desire, or the constant need of the urgent in your life that it keeps you from that place of alone time with God? Are you either going it alone or maybe are you trying to do it with the wrong people? If you're here today and you feel one of those growth stoppers, can you just take a moment and just do this? I encourage all of us to do this right where you're at. Just head bowed and eyes closed. Just take your hands, place them on your knees with your palms facing up towards the ceiling. And the reason I challenge you to do this is just simply for this reason. Open hands is a sign of surrender. If you're ever going to be arrested by the police, one of the first things they tell you to do is basically arms up. They want proof that there's nothing in your hands, that you are surrendering everything that you have. So in this moment, just come before God and say, God, I surrender. Lord, we come before you. We surrender our past. We surrender our pain. We surrender, Lord, all the areas that maybe we wished that we would have that we see in someone else's life that, God, we realize now that, Lord, it's <laughs> there's things that they're facing and dealing with that we don't even know about. But God, it's more than just to surrender. Our hands are empty because we want what you have in store for us. Lord, I pray for every person in this room right now that the identity we would accept is what you have declared. That we would realize that we're yours. That God, we're loved. That we're called your child. Maybe you're here today and you're frustrated because you feel like you're not as far along as you should be. (laughs) Welcome to the club. I plead with you, remember your identity is slowly grown. It is fruit that is developing. It is not microwaved. So tend the garden of your heart. 
water your soul with time in his presence and allow his spirit to pull the weeds from your life that want to spring up to choke out what he is doing. Get into his presence. Listen to me. Get into the space of the still and quiet where the deep work is done, where he can refine your heart and your soul because power is going to stem from his presence. Lord, we want your presence today. Would you do what only you can do? Community. I want to challenge you today. If you're here, listen to me. You need a coach. You need a friend. Someone that is so in tune with you that when your feet change color, they know to get in the pool. You cannot live out the one another statements alone. You were not created to do this alone. God has a plan and purpose, and it goes far beyond just you even receiving help, but also you being a part of giving the help. But you cannot give what you have not also received. And so today, maybe God is speaking to you and challenging you to dive into community. But for every person, this is my prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. And just simply say, God, what is my next step? Right where you're at, God, what is my next step? And then second prayer, God, help me to obey. Holy Spirit, would you breathe life in this room right now? Lord, for every one of us, that next step is going to sound different. For some of us, it means that we need to wake up early to spend some time in your word. Or some of us who are night owls, we need to stay up a little bit later to spend time in your word. For some of us, it means praying. For some of us, it means time in the context of community. For some of us, Lord, whatever that next step is, Lord, I pray right now, would you birth it in our hearts? But would you do more than that? We pray it would move beyond deciding, beyond intention, beyond prayerful hope, that, Lord, today we would take that first step. Not tomorrow, not next week, that there would be some action we would take today to step into growing in our identity, whatever that may be. Lord, we want to be faithful followers of you. In your name we pray. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to pray over us one final time and then Haley's going to come and bring us to a close. But here's, here's how I would like to end. My prayer has been that God spoke to you today. My second prayer is that you'll be faithful in obedience. Because both are, both are key. He is the God who speaks. He is the God who plants. The seed has been placed upon your heart. The question is, are you going to take that next step? You are created to be a son or daughter of the king. And you are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he had planned in store for you long ago. God has things in store for this church and for your life. Listen to me. The reason you've heard me beat a dead horse today about not being somebody else is because, listen to me, you are where you are. Your family, your work, your, your, your school, your place of business, your group of friends where you live in your community, your neighborhood, your street, the gas station that you always frequent. You have been placed here for such a time as this. And God has uniquely equipped you, uniquely provided for you to make a dent in the kingdom of darkness for the sake of his glory. You are a masterpiece to reveal the master. And we're going to talk about that next week. I plead with you, if at all possible, be here. We're going to talk about what that looks like to, to be empowered to go out with our identity. But, but hear me. I plead with you today, listen to his voice 
and take that first step. I don't care if you have the motivation. I don't care if you feel like now is the right time. Listen to me. It is always the right time for spiritual growth. Always. So today, take that first step, whatever it may be, because God has things in store for your life. Let me pray for you. Father, we come before you. Lord, so thankful for who you are and what you've done in us. Holy Spirit, would you be present in this room even now in this moment? And would you be, Lord, allowing your voice to speak to every heart and life that whatever you have called us to, whatever that thing you've put on our heart, would we be faithful to obey? Lord, even if it's the smallest step, let us take that first step today. Whatever you're calling us to do, whoever you're calling us to continue to become so that we look more like you, may we take that first step, Jesus, as we grow in our identity in you. In your precious and most holy name we pray.